0: Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. If you've been following the news and social media, you will see so much conversation about generative artificial intelligence or AI for short. How can we leverage AI in business to enhance customer experiences and service agents to be more efficient while maintaining empathetic human interactions? What is AI even mean? My guest today, Evan Kirstel is an expert analyst in disruptive technologies with over 500,000 followers and he answers these questions and so much more to help you achieve business success as technology is changing our experiences rapidly. I believe it's important to get educated and apply the latest technology developments to stay competitive without losing the human heart in business. You'll learn how to merge it all from this episode, along with hearing real case studies of brands doing CX right, and mistakes to avoid. Please share this podcast with others who can benefit. Subscribe to Doing CX Right podcast on your favorite channels to get updates and leave me a review as feedback is the best gift you can give. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Evan Kirstil. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. How are you? I'm good. I'm great because you're here today.
1: Oh, that's very kind. I'll try not to disappoint you.
0: Oh, absolutely not. Well, I know who you are, and I'm sure a lot of people on social media, several hundred thousand, know who you are. But please tell my audience, who are you? What do you do professionally?
1: Well, I wouldn't call it a profession, but I'm, I'm sort of a content entrepreneur, content creator, tech influencer, industry analyst, And um, social media fanatics sort of all rolled into one.
0: Mm, And you are definitely out there with some very smart wisdom and advice, which is why people are going to love this show today.
1: Well, I hope so. Now you set the expectation really high. So I I really hope not to disappoint uh, the fans.
0: Well, and in customer experience speak, I absolutely deliver on the promise. So... (laughs) (laughs) what is your why? Why are you into all of these things that you describe that you're doing constantly?
1: Well, social media in particular uh, has been a personal obsession. I'd say kind of an unhealthy obsession for over a dozen years. And so I have met amazing people, uh, clients, uh, who's who, uh, frankly, in business and tech on social media. And mm-hmm. and grew it over, uh, you know, eight, nine years into a, uh, a business, a thriving business, a practice helping clients with digital and social. And so mm-hmm. taking my uh, industry background uh, as part of it. So, you know, I have, you know, perspective and insights and a point of view. And combined with my social reach, I love to put out content like we're doing now.
0: Mm. But you could have picked any content. So why... Technology, why these topics?
1: It's a good question. I'm a total geek, you, you know, so uh, geek at heart. And that's what uh, keeps me interested and engaged and uh, early adopter of tech and early tinkerer of, of uh, all things computing as a kid. And then right through uh, studying electrical engineering and working in tech for 30 years. So You you know, again, it's my passion. It's what I find fascinating personally and, of course, professionally as well. So, you know, Mm. hello, fellow geeks.
0: Well, I'm very glad. I want to emphasize that you said geek at heart because I am passionate like you in technology enhancing our experiences, but we cannot lose the heart in business. So I want to call that out.
1: Yeah, there's there's a certain lack of uh, empathy and, and human connection in a lot of the tech we use. And uh, you know the tech that does delight us and, and uh, thrill us and is fun to use has that user experience, that uh, user interface, that customer experience in the case of a service that mm-hmm. is fun and, and that is human. Mm-hmm. And if you look at even things like ChatGPT which I've been obsessed with recently in the last few weeks it's its humanity it's it's uh, outwardly looking humanity that's so intriguing so so yeah I think it's the intersection of humanity and tech that that's uh, I think most interesting
0: Yes, I share that in common. We're going to get to that in a minute. But before we do, what is one fun fact that people may or may not know about you personally or professionally?
1: One fun fact, uh, I guess I I speak fluent German, not Mm. from my heritage, but just having lived and worked in Europe for almost 10 years and then Studied it in high school and been in college, and uh, have enjoyed the language. So that's, I guess, a fun fact. We could, we could do this in German if you'd like. We could switch to, switch to German. That would really turn off your audience uh, immensely.
0: Well, there would be a segment for it for sure, but I wouldn't understand <laughs> what you're what you're saying. So we'll we'll keep it to to English all right, for we'll now. Switch to
1: uh, to English. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, all right. Let's get to the heart of this conversation and the tech of this conversation. First of all, you know a lot about generative AI, artificial intelligence. Can you explain in kindergarten terms, what is that?
1: Well, it's a technology that has uh, essentially been fed tons of data, trained on tons of data, thousands of gigabytes, terabytes of, of data, and and that and that data has been trained to emulate simulate behave respond like a human would in in this in the case of chat gpt from OpenAI in in, in writing so mm-hmm. when prompted or asked a question given direction the response is unbelievably human like and so that same approach has been taken to uh, images uh, pictures video and now text. And so it's it's uh, generated by AI, but it's something that could have almost looks like it was generated by a human being based on that training set. So fascinating stuff.
0: Yeah, which is a little scary that we humans are training the robots. And you could argue they might replace us in some conditions and we're training them to do that.
1: We're training them. There's a lot of, uh, you know, underpaid workers in the third world who are being trained to train the robots. Uh, so, you, you know, the training data is also being pulled from the Internet and uh, pictures in terms of facial recognition. So there are a lot of, um, you know, interesting and as you say, scary uh, scenarios, but it's here and it's now it's being leveraged. Not just for fun and games by consumers at the moment like myself, but by businesses, as you know, in conversational AI and in customer service and, and yeah. uh, chatbot scenarios and all kinds of business processes are being uh, created leveraging AI. So it's sort of a quiet revolution happening uh, outside of the consumer, but it's now the consumer, like the average consumer is going to start seeing it sort of more firsthand, which is really interesting
0: yeah and it's it's I feel like it was quiet, and that december two thousand twenty two it blew up. And I guess it's chat GPT that we're all playing with and seeing how it's disruptive in positive ways,
1: too, yeah. it's going to be disruptive in in many ways, positive. Uh, they're going to be winners and losers, just like any tech. Innovation, revolution, there's going to be a a lot of have-nots and haves. Yeah. So if you're a copywriter and that's all you do is just generate copy for a newspaper or for a blog day in, day out, you should worry, (laughs) potentially worry about your future. However, if you're someone like me or you who, who are using these tools, Mm -hmm. Um, It's exciting. It's kind of the best of times. We can really create all kinds of new content opportunities and leverage uh, apps that are based on chat, GPT, and AI to be more prolific and productive and uh, interesting. So uh, fascinating times.
0: Tell me now use cases. I'm sure there's some listeners who don't even know what we're talking about. So can you put in some practical terms... In business, whether it's customer service, agents, social media, maybe pick it apart. But what are some real cases that you're finding AI being really helpful?
1: Well, we've all experienced terrible, uh, you know, interactive voice response systems and terrible chatbots. This next wave of technology based on conversational AI, things like ChatGPT and other platform technologies will be much better, will be much more natural, much more intuitive, much friendlier. They'll understand context and they'll actually be able to help you. And that's the vision of this next wave. If, if, you're, if you're talking about contact center, for example, or customer service agents or reaching out uh, to Google or Amazon or Apple to get an update on your order, uh, with a text, you know, a text message or chatting. This next wave of conversational AI is going to be super intelligent, and it's that. So, you know, this is an efficiency that you know the, uh, the providers love. It's it's going to be much more consumer friendly. It's going to be better than the you know the Amazon, the theory, the Alexa that you're used to conversing with, and and that's the promise. It's, it's going to um, make life easier. For consumers and uh, reduce costs and increase efficiency for businesses alike. So, that's just one use case in the customer service realm that you're so familiar with.
0: But let's play this out. So, I'm on a website and I go to chat. I need help with whatever topic it is. Now, today we have a chat bot, it gives me some canned responses. And I have to kind of fight it to get to a human. So are you visioning that I'm not going to need to get to a human? Or are you visioning the technology being able to enhance with the human? You
1: no, know, I think it's both. We we will find AI and customer service will likely be able to cover 80 or 90% of your average requests. And then the the humans will focus on uh, not just the 10, 15, 20% of requests that can't be handled by, you you know, the technology, but will actually assist the agent in getting help, you know, through providing an agent with, uh, you know, sort of a natural language resource to get answers, to get, Mm -hmm. you know, training and education, get direction and and assistance behind the scenes. So it'll, it'll really empower agents as well mm. as you know the consumers and callers. So there's mm-hmm. so many ways that it will be worked into you know these workflows that it's going to be pretty revolutionary.
0: I also see when people need help the ability to use AI to serve up articles that can answer the questions and help self-serve more and deflect those trouble tickets. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean the the challenge is many many consumer facing companies have no idea who their consumers are. Mm. That's part of the problem in serv- servicing them. It's not like a B two B or business. They don't have a database of you, your your bio, your background, your needs, your wants. So you go into these situations completely blind. And whereas AI can can help build a better profile of you, your your history, your needs, your wants, your frustrations. And Mm -hmm. eliminate, we we all see that, you know, have the experience, you work with phone companies of being blind, transferred around from department to department, (sighs) desperate in search of someone who can help you. And uh, the hope and the belief is that AI uh, and and other technologies will streamline those Mm. business processes behind the scenes. So that's the hope, we'll see.
0: Yeah, I also believe, hope, need, That when we do talk to, whether it's the technology by phone or in text, that that conversation gets transferred better to the human because way too often the human is then asked for the same information and that is such a pain point.
1: Yeah, there's just a lot of legacy technology out there. With these big companies, we, we saw the impact at uh, Southwest just uh, this week, for example. You know, antiquated systems, almost paper based systems developed uh, decades ago, and that completely crashed like a house of cards when there was drain put on it. And so, you know, technologies that that sort of empower humans to to get answers, you know, make decisions, given the tools and, and edu- you know education, even like training, coaching, and mentoring, will be part of what AI will do for the customer service or agents uh, moving mm. forward. I mean, these mm. be all developments that will uh, help that, but we're, we're just uh, there's way too much technical debt and legacy that we're stuck with at the moment. And for different reasons, companies simply haven't upgraded, invested, re-architected or transformed the way that um, they should have.
0: For those who don't know about what happened with Southwest, can you summarize?
1: Well, it's really been the breaking story this week. Uh, Pretty much their uh, crew scheduling system uh, completely collapsed. So pilots and flight attendants and other staff were distributed around the country with no idea that systems-wise where they are, whether they were able to fly. And so they had to wholesale cancel probably well, virtually all of their flights to some airports. And in, in the process, of course, their booking reservation systems crashed, uh, phone systems crashed because people tried to engage and, and reschedule. So it's a complete meltdown of their entire uh, you know, flight network, IT network. And there are still people stuck around the country as a result. You can't reach anyone. You can't phone anyone. And uh, it's, it's, it's uh, sad. It's kind of pathetic, actually, that a company mm. that, you know, is uh, as big, as important as Southwest was uh, is building its crew scheduling and crew planning around, uh, you know, uh, chewing gum and, uh, you know, number two pencils.
0: So what could we learn from them?
1: You know, I think there's a, it's the urgency, the imperative to not just band-aid and patch old tech, but to double down, triple down on investing and upgrading key systems. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Southwest, they, they had, they had projects underway that didn't have the sense of urgency. You know, a lot of times, uh you know, these are huge investments and so many companies are unwilling to make them because they do impact the bottom line and Hiring the best and the brightest in IT uh, is expensive. Mm. And so they, you know, it's sort of, well, if it's it's, it's not broke, don't fix it kind of mentality until, you know, things really break in a major way. Mm -hmm. We saw, you know, a ton of airlines came through with flying colors. You know, it's just, it's really separating these sort of situations kind of separate the... The haves from the have-nots with tech. You see the companies who have IT leadership, CIOs who understand systems, in-house expertise. You know, and and those companies that maybe don't or kind of outsource it and and don't have digital and tech as you know their core, you know, mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Southwest, I'm sure thinks themselves as an airline, not as an IT company, when they probably need to think of themselves as an IT and a <laughs> and a business process company and an airline, you know.
0: And a customer experience company, because all of this, mm. at the end of the day, affects you, me, all of us.
1: Yeah, it's customer experience and employee experience. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, I always enjoyed Southwest. I thought they had good service. Their planes were on time. It was easy to book a good website. You could book directly. They had the app. They had messaging. So outwardly, it seemed like customer service at CX was working well at Southwest. What wasn't working was the employee experience. And uh, they had this antiquated system of scheduling and assigning uh, routes and trips to, to staff and employees. They were not treating them particularly well uh, through the pandemic. They were... You know, I understand from anecdotal stories that just weren't, employees weren't treated that well in terms of pay and other things. And, um, that it, that, that broke the system. Mm. Um, so you can, you can be amazing looking outward, but if you're not treating your employees right and giving them the right tools and apps and services and employee experience, then it's all for naught.
0: Absolutely. Wow, there's a lot we can uncover just in this breaking story. How would you say we can blend? We have to coexist with the technology. In fact, we we already talked about how it can be beneficial. Do you have concern about the human Coexisting with the technology, what, what's your perspective on how do we keep the heart of business with the disruptive tech?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really about you know empowering your your people with tech and not just throwing applications or devices or apps at them and hoping something sticks. Mm-hmm. So the best companies out there invest an inordinate amount of time on training and enablement and you know surveys and trials to make sure any technology they're deploying is well understood by the company. I work for a big vendor. I won't name them, big, you know, top 10 IT vendor. And the amount of applications and services and workflows and business processes internally that you had to go through as an employee was was just absurd. It was just ridiculous. And it would have made your day a misery. So the idea of streamlining those processes, introducing like things like RPA and automation to take the workload off the employees automating, you know, basic tasks, think about things like employee expenses and all that hassle. Mm. I'm so glad I'm out of the corporate rat race. I don't have to do that anymore. But all these things are a burden. And uh, it takes time away from productive deep work when internally in an organization you have to deal with, you know, poor tools, bad tools, legacy outdated tools. And so increasingly companies, you know, let move fast. You know, can leverage like breast to breed products and services and apps and SaaS and third party. You know, to make their their business kind of hum. Hmm. Hmm.
0: How do you see the metaverse playing in all of this?
1: Well, I think we have kinds of metaverses today. You know, uh, when I'm on a Zoom call, when I'm you know maybe I have an avatar and I'm uh, messaging and doing real time video and chatting. I mean, I think that is a kind of metaverse. Mm. I, I don't buy into the meta version of the metaverse with, with you know, sort of torsos walking around uh, <laughs> uh, communicating uh, with each other. But I think a metaverse of work, a metaverse, industrial metaverse where you're, you're collaborating and sharing and even in three dimensions when it makes sense is going to be amazing. But I think it's still a ways off for the average worker. Gaming and all the fun stuff aside for, for the utility is still a ways off.
0: Someone told me that they either used it or knew someone. It fascinated me that they put on the goggles and they were in a contact center and they actually worked from home, but they felt like they were in a contact center and could see. It felt like they were in person together. That's a really interesting application. I could see that
1: happening. I don't know. That sounds a bit of a hellscape to me. But um, that's just my personal opinion. Look, I, I have VR. I use Oculus. I think it's good for some things in business in the context. I think one is training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people like UPS who are using it for all kinds of training requirements for medical education, uh, mm-hmm. training doctors and surgeons, augmented reality for helping hands-free in the operating room. Uh, so they're, they're very, you know, flight simulators uh, kind of thing. They're very practical and useful examples mm-hmm. of VR, but it should be used as a utility, as a tool, not as a cure-all for, mm-hmm. uh, for you know, some sort of fantasy of, of working together in a room. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I saw Meta's announcement on VR sales, uh, headset sales, was way down that it's it's not taking off. So I think we have a ways to go. We need sort of a unicorn device, hopefully some sort of Apple glasses or others to really yeah. pave the way forward. But the, at the moment, I think we're in sort of a bit of a, you know, a standstill when it comes to VR adoption.
0: For people who want to learn about what we're talking about and stay ahead of the technology and the future of work, besides following you, and me, what do you recommend as good sources in addition?
1: Yeah, I would you know Twitter I know some people are not fans and view it as a bit of a, a nightmare, but there's tremendous tech, you know content and insights and thought leaders and you don't even have to go there for the people, the personalities. You can go there to follow uh, keywords and hashtags like emerging tech or tech trends or CX. And if you follow those those keywords, those hashtags, you'll just find a wealth of information. So whatever industry or discipline or vertical you're in, there, there's a great community out there that you can tap into and learn from and connect with both yeah. personally and professionally. So focus on those, those mm-hmm. niches, those verticals, keywords, or even hashtags on LinkedIn. You can follow the same hashtags. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll, it's quite educational as well as mm-hmm. being fun.
0: Mhm. Great advice. So as we're getting to the end, I told you this goes fast. What is the best leadership advice you've been given or gave to someone else?
1: I think it was, you know, when I was I had mentors. I work for myself now, and I was, you know, working in companies over twenty five years. It was uh, the best, I think, advice that I was given or discovered was the importance of of those, the, those informal meetings, check-ins, touch bases, one-on-one, mm. once a week. You know, so few managers actually do that. They may have a huge organization. They may have staff mm. meetings. They may have team meetings, but they don't just virtually or in person. Let's just touch base for 20 minutes a week and see how things are going and listen and ask questions and show some empathy and, and connection with their staff. And that, that's a shame because it's, this one piece of advice I, I think that would be it
0: I agree and in the future when this disruptive technology is really here I would say don't send your robot to that one-on-one either <laughs> show up
1: <laughs> yeah and you know we're all the, you know show some humanity show some empathy yeah. ask questions and um I think people appreciate it
0: Oh, I know so. Absolutely. For one who is on the side of receiving those one-on-ones and for one, uh, as I lead a team, and I really hold myself accountable to those those check-ins. It's so important. And I want to ask you if I had a ton of CEOs and leaders, entrepreneurs in my room right now, what's the one takeaway you want them to remember?
1: You know, don't just be a headline reader when when it comes to this new and emerging technology, whether it's, uh, you know, social media, whether it's Chat GPT, whether it's these tools and platforms, you know, roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, you know, try things firsthand. Uh, Don't just read about it in the Wall Street Mm -hmm. Journal. And I think being a practitioner is, is as important when it comes to new tech as just understanding it. So whether it's, you know, you're at social media, whether it's some new app, whether it's some cool tool, you know, if you haven't logged on and and tried it out yourself and experimented like, you know, we're doing here with Riverside and this live streaming platform, then you're really missing out on the full potential of the tech.
0: I agree. And I actually live my business life based on what my old boss once told me. And he was an acronym TAR. Test, analyze, adjust, repeat. And that applies, really does apply. So, yeah. And last question, my favorite one. If you could go back in time and talk to your younger 20-year-old self based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell the younger you?
1: I'd say, you know, there's this thing you've never heard of called Bitcoin. (laughs) <laughs> uh, go buy, spend all your spare change and, and, and buy this thing and keep it in a wallet that you don't lose or mm. sell and then talk to me in 20 years. So, But in all seriousness, I guess that's, I, I, I'm not sure. I guess that's what I would tell my younger self. So.
0: Well, I, it'll be interesting to see <laughs> what this generation will do as they listen to us speak about what we've learned. Well, thank you so much for being here with me. And I will share your social channels and your website. Is that the best places to to find you?
1: Yeah, just Google me. You, you can see me everywhere. And I'll be at quite a few shows and events, Cloud uh, Communications Alliance and IT Expo and Enterprise Connect and Mobile World Congress, though, I'd love to see people in person this year. It's been quite a, quite a pandemic.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. You're awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lessons shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman doing CX right.